0: This is the Maxing You Podcast. Maxing You Podcast. Where dating extraordinaire, fitness expert, and former Miss Marilyn talks all things self-growth and relationship elevation. She's got you covered on mindfulness, fitness, nutrition, relationships, and self-care. You got a girl that could finally do it all. You're one place to listen to for all the things that matter. Now, here's your host, Coach
1: T. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today for another episode of Maxing You. Today we're speaking with Jamie Otis, who was on The Bachelor as well as the first season of Married at First Sight. And Jamie has some awesome insight into how to keep a marriage going after tragedy and loss, the things that she and her husband are doing during COVID to maintain the spark in their relationship, And we talk all things perseverance. So if you're a person who's going through a thing, listen to the podcast with Jamie to see what she's overcome. Great information. We'll jump into it. Hi, guys. It's Coach T, and I am back with yet another episode of Maxing You. And I'm so thrilled today to have Jamie Otis with us. And can't wait to jump in with her. Hi, Jamie.
0: Hey. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: No, thank you. So excited to get to chat with you and learn more about you and see what's going on. So yeah. we will jump right in. So as you probably know, we are all about um, wellness for all of our listeners. And so as with my background as a matchmaker, I'm all about improving ourselves as we're improving our relationships and seeing how those things sort of come together. So Of course, you were on Married at First Sight, and so we want to sort of dig a little bit into that and see, like, what was your experience like and talk about, like, some of the lessons that you learned about, you know, following what your expectations were for your love life versus sort of what actually happens in your love life.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if everyone who's listening knows, but yeah, I was on a show called Married at First Sight. It's on Lifetime. My husband and I were married six and a half years ago. So I mean, I feel like we're like the dinosaurs of 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 like this the show because we're from season one. But um it worked out for us. I think that The the biggest reason why I did work out was because I didn't know how to date. I really, really needed help. I could have really used a coach T back in my day because Mm -hmm. I just was awkward dating and I just didn't know how to be, I don't know, like comfortable in my own skin in order to be my true self around those who I I was dating. So when Married at First Sight came around, they said essentially they would have like four coach T's and they would... uh, like analyze everybody in the tri-state area and if they found somebody who was really good like who seemed to I don't know um be your quote-unquote perfect match uh, like on paper then they would put you together and you'd get a legal marriage and then you you know they would help kind of guide you through the marriage although at first it was just dating and so that's kind of how they got you because I was like I can date anybody I mean sure but then at the very end (laughs) they said oh it's actually marriage and you're going to marry this person um sight unseen and you're just going to trust your matchmakers essentially. And I honestly, it sounds crazy to do something like that, but I really trusted the science behind it. And I, I, I was, I had like nothing to lose because I was pretty awful at dating. And so I gave it a shot.
1: Yeah. So prior to being on Married at First Sight, did you have like a laundry list of what you wanted in a partner or were you kind of just winging it?
0: Uh, Uh, so prior to being married at first sight, I, uh, I, so like, I guess like to be very honest, I guess to take it back, this is kind of like my history is that I never really had a normal, uh, example of what a good relationship would look like because my mom was, um, just my stepdad, like beat the son out of her, to be very honest. Like he just was very, very abusive to her. And that was the only relationship that I really had an example of, I guess. Um, and so And then my mom uh, ended up, you know, turning to drugs for... Just like as a coping mechanism, because she was just beaten up so much, and she had five kids she was trying to take care of. She had no self esteem. She ends up turning to drugs to like kind of cope. And I ended up gaining because of that. She ends up like you know, of course, like losing the home. And uh, I ended up gaining custody of my siblings when I was a freshman in college. So I never really dated much. So when it comes to like a laundry list of things that I wanted, I didn't even know what what was good. I was like, I just want a man who doesn't beat me and who like yeah. doesn't cheat on me and who helps me like pay the bills. <laughs> like, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So I really was quite clueless. Um, and I feel like beyond blessed to have had Married at First Sight and the experts, because they really were like, like, there's an expert on the show for anyone who's not familiar with it. Her name is Dr. Pepper Schwartz. And she's like a mama bear. Like she came into my apartment. This is like way back before I even had a match. And, you know, mm-hmm. she was just like scouting people out. And she was like, um, you know, I don't, she was just so real and honest. And it wasn't like full of drama. I had been on The Bachelor prior to Married at First Sight and I really had no idea like what was, you know, this whole TV world and um, dating and whatnot. And I felt like I kind of made a fool of myself. So I was like, if I'm going to do this again, then I really, I'm going to be very honest and transparent that I, I don't even have a laundry list. Like, I don't even know. I essentially just want him to have a big family and I want him to love and accept my family because we're a little bit dysfunctional. Obviously I have baggage, but, um, but like yeah. I feel like I could be like great for someone, and you know I want to be. I just don't know how to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I understand. Well, thanks for, sh- for first of all, thanks for sharing and the vulnerability to to share and be honest with us.
0: I'm <laughs> sorry, my daughter.
1: <laughs> sorry. Yeah, welcome to the welcome to the mom club. We know how that goes. Um, Hi,
0: the babysitter's like, can she have a hug? And I'm like, no. Like I'm talking to someone on a podcast <laughs> Yeah, you hunger please for me. <laughs> no, you're but, yeah, no, absolutely,
1: but but we appreciate the vulnerability, we appreciate you being real, you know, love that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, when you first met your husband, did you feel like you knew that he was the one, or
0: so uh, tell me about uh, that? <laughs> not so much. Um, I don't know, Taylor, if you've seen it all like when I first met my husband, but oh, okay. I you did okay so I literally had a panic attack (laughs) like and I didn't actually ever realize that it was legit a panic attack until like years later because I just thought (gasps) I didn't I don't know I never really kind of like put the dots together but I literally couldn't breathe I like needed Mm. like I I went to a corner after we said I do we like hugged our guests so you know to back it up like we were complete strangers and when I first saw him you know I obviously as you know like I said I really trusted the experts and the matchmakers but I I honestly didn't Like I I I envisioned like some sort of butterflies on my wedding day and, you know, it was a very real wedding to me. My my nieces were my flower girls. My sisters were my bridesmaids. I mean, like it was very very real to me. And so when the doors opened and I like see my husband at the end of the aisle, I there was like no chemistry or butterflies and I wasn't really attracted immediately. I was like, oh no, like what what am I doing like this? And almost like I felt like. I was like, no, 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 no. This isn't how it's supposed to go. Like I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to like, this is supposed to be an amazing thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I was like, shoot, like this was the worst decision of my life. Like, why did I trust this? And it took me a moment to just breathe and to remember that like someone kind of vetted this man for me and they vetted me for him. And they really believe that on paper, like we could be like, we're definitely great on paper. And if we gave each other a shot, we could be great together in real life, and so a producer—I mean, not everybody has a producer in their in, the, in their lives—but a producer was like Jamie. Remember what Dr. Pepper Short said? Like she, she like really, really like thinks this guy could be great for you. Why don't you give it a shot? And I was like, oh yeah, right. <laughs> um, So yeah, it wasn't def- it definitely wasn't love at first sight. It definitely wasn't even like at first sight. It's not that I didn't like him. I just I was such a I am still kind of an all or nothing kind of girl, and so I was like if I didn't have like that feeling of even like a little bit of chemistry, I was like, then it's just never going to work out. Like, I feel like that's very relatable for first dates, you know, or for like um, blind dates even, or like, I'm sure for you, because you're the matchmaker. So when you put someone together and they're like, nope, nope, not going to work out. And you're like, wait a minute. Like there's all these reasons why it could work out. Right. Um, So yeah, it's interesting. uh, And I, and that is kind of the one thing that I always try to share with people who are looking for love is, is you know i don't know like if the pa- person on paper has like like your laundry list of the things that you're looking for right. but then you meet them and you're like eh there's really not a spark maybe give that person a couple chances because if i had just been like nope there was no spark i'm never taking my husband i wouldn't have like this amazing husband that i have with our two beautiful children I mean, it's crazy to think that if I hadn't given this a shot, if I wasn't legally married to the guy, (laughs) that I would have just been like, I would have never given him a second date. And that's really sad to think about.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I think so few relationships have that immediate spark. And usually that immediate spark is predicated on this idea of the physical chemistry, but there's so much more beyond it. And those people who are only looking for the very, you know, immediate physical chemistry end up finding themselves sorely disappointed, um, you know, in the end game. So I completely get it. So you get married to the guy. You stay married to the guy. And so tell me about sort of life in between then. I think you and I do share um, the fact that you have had, you know, loss with um, pregnancy. And so tell me sort of about that and how you like right now have been able to sustain your relationship through sort of the trials and tribulations of just life as married. Before. Yeah.
0: Well, first of all, I didn't know you had a loss. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um Thank you. Yeah, so our first pregnancy, I mean, well, so, you know, obviously we fall in love and um we decided we want to start having a, I mean, I wanted A baby like yesterday. Like, I was 27 when we got married, and I'm from a real small town in upstate New York. And so, everyone like graduates high school, sometimes they don't graduate, and they just, you know, like the goal. everyone in in our culture the way i grew up was like you pretty much graduate high school if you're lucky and then like and then you have a baby and so and you know in my family no one actually even graduated high school we just have babies as you know like that's like the goal and that's kind of just what happens so my goal was to graduate high school and to go to college and but like, but then I just wanted to be a mom. Like I wanted to be a mom so bad ever since I was little, like little, just because I, I've always yearned for that mother daughter relationship that like, honestly, like my friends had my one friend, Elia in particular, her and her mom are so close. And I was just, I always wanted that with my mom and you know, my, my mom, she just, you know, God bless her. Like she, she. I think she, she definitely tries her best, but she just has gone through an awful lot herself. So, yeah, like she just wasn't able to have that. So, I, for me, I was like, I want a daughter, and I want to create that, and I'm going to. And so, after Doug and I fall in love, I'm like, let's have a baby. Like, I want a baby now. Like, I, you know, like, like I, I was just so ready. And of course, he was like, no, <laughs> like let's like actually get to know each other first. I'm like, <laughs> all right, that's probably a good idea. Uh, but, um. Our first pregnancy, we were, you know, we were really lucky. We got pregnant pretty quickly uh, and it was going pretty smoothly. I mean, I was sick, of course, but I took that as like a good sign, of course. And, um, you know, everything was going great. My bump wasn't big enough. Like I just wanted it to be bigger and bigger and bigger because I just couldn't wait to really like have that big bump and whatnot. And unfortunately, we got really bad news. I mean, we had we waited to share, of course, like most people do, I think, until after mm-hmm. the first trimester. And then we went on the Today Show with Kathy Lee and Hoda, and shared that we were pregnant. And it was, it was such a great moment to share it with, yeah. you know, with them because they had been such big supporters of Married at First Sight when back like six years ago. A lot of people kind of. Um, we're not exactly sure about the show. They thought maybe it was a mockery of marriage, but Kathy Lee and Hoda were always very like loving and welcoming and, and just mm-hmm. realized that we weren't just trying to make a mockery of marriage or like some dramatic mm-hmm. TV show. So it was really great to be able to share the news with them and like and for them to be able to share it with the world. And, you know, unfortunately, very soon after that, uh, I was 17 weeks pregnant when we when I delivered my son. And of course, that's far too early to for him to be able to, like they wouldn't be able to like save his life or anything of that nature. So, um, so of course he passed, sorry, And um, you know, and that was really, really tough. Um, and it still is, uh, it's still, it's interesting. Cause if I had never lost a child, my, like a pregnancy or our child, um, I don't know that I would have know how hard it really is, especially when you're quote unquote only so far along, like I was only 17 weeks pregnant, um, but I don't think it matters how far along you are. Like when you have a connection with this baby, whether it's like, you know, a couple months or, you know, nine months, I mean, it's just, it's painful. It's really, really painful. And, um, and so in any case, we definitely coped with that differently, my husband and I. And obviously we, we were still new together in the sense that like we'd only been married for about a year and a half when I, when I had lost him. So um, we were still getting to know each other. He His coping mechanism was more like to go to work and just stay busy. And mine was like, I can't even brush my teeth or my hair or get out of bed. And how are you even like... Getting like, like, how are you functioning? Like, what are you doing? And so that was definitely a really, really big struggle for us. For me to understand that just because he's going to work, it doesn't mean he doesn't care about our son or or me. It's just that that's he doesn't know how to. He didn't even really know how to comfort me. Like, he like it's interesting. Like when you're hurting yourself, it is hard to comfort others. And so. Yeah. for me, it just took going to therapy to, to be very honest. Like I went to therapy, uh, all, like for a very long time, I'm a huge fan of therapy because I don't know, first of all, our whole marriage is like found like founded by ther, like a psychologist and you mm-hmm. know, like ther, like therapy, because sometimes mm-hmm. you need someone from outside of the box to kind of help you, to help you see like what you're not able to see, not only for like, not only for your spouse but for yourself like there are a few things that I did that really could have jeopardized our relationship and I was really fortunate that my husband was um patient and loving you know mm-hmm. uh, but then and that was like in the beginning of our relationship he had said a lie to me and I was like nope we're done um and really that's like quite a dramatic response but um then, you know, after this loss, I could have easily been like, you're going back to work. You're barely like, I felt like he, like, I felt like I was so alone, like just so I felt so alone and so isolated. Cause I had no one to talk to who had, I didn't know that so many people had suffered losses. No one really talks about it. Nice. And so I just felt so alone and my husband's gone at work and I'm like, this just isn't right. You know, like, like, I don't know. I just felt so, I obviously got very, very depressed and that could have really been a moment in time that we would have separated, but, um, I think that that's like kind of the takeaway from this is that like, there are some times when I'm strong and he's weak and and vice versa, and there are definitely going to be times when one messes up more so than the other, or a perceived mess up more so than one, like one more so than the other. And it's so important to, you know, just to remember the foundation of love and, and commitment that you have with your partner, because um inevitably it doesn't matter who it is you're gonna have this happen and if you stick with the same person it really does like it just makes the hurdle like so much more worth it but also like the next hurdle then you know like now I know how my husband copes and we've Uh had since we've had also like two more losses and now I know how he copes he knows how I cope and we're able to be there for each other whereas if I would have just left him which you know of course if you know, someone listening, maybe they have experienced that side of it. I get it. But if I would have just left him, maybe I wouldn't know for those, those other two losses. And I would have been with someone new and it just would have been even more like heartbreaking, if you know what I mean. So um I'm just, I guess I'm just a big proponent for, well, to be very frank, I'm a big proponent for divorcing or breaking up when you know you're not happy, you've tried everything, but I'm also a huge uh a huge fan of sticking it out as long as like as long as you're not being like you know abused or um you know cheated or whatever but i'm a huge fan of sticking it out through the small things because once you really get to know someone and you know that your partner is really also fighting just as hard as you are for your relationship there is there is nothing else that you could want in life i feel like than someone who's like on your team trying so hard to to be with you and to stay with you and to stay strong for you and changing with you and for you. Um, and by by that, I don't mean like you should change for someone, but you know, you have to adapt, you have to compromise in relationships. There is a little bit of molding and bending and you have to be able to do that. So anyways, that's kind of how, that's kind of, I guess, a long-winded answer to your question about like the struggles of married life and how does they stick it out?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's at least for me, like, I always find that it's, a total self growth game. So like before I'm usually pointing the finger, like in the beginning of my relationship, I was like always pointing the finger and wondering like, well, you're not doing something. And then I just started realizing, well, you know, I can only control me and let's, let's look at like what I can do. How can I grow here and show up as a better partner? And maybe that means I do elicit a different response from you know, the other partner, be that in terms of communication or whatever. Um, right. So I, I completely agree with you. So tell me about like how you guys have been surviving during COVID. Because yeah. I know lots of, lots of marriages have taken like some interesting, um, you know, turns there. I know f- for many it's created lots of growth, um, but we've all learned, you know, more lessons because we've probably been hanging out with our partner longer than we've known them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. So COVID has been so interesting for us because we had a baby, my our sweet rainbow baby Hendrix. He oh. is now five months old, but we had him yeah. literally at the peak of COVID. I ended up having a home birth with him because I was terrified of COVID. Oh and wow. That, yeah, that was wild. Um in my <laughs> background, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. So for me, I was like, uh it is just wild. But Covid has been a bit. I mean, of course, it's like the worst. I mean, I'm just, like it's terrible. But the silver lining of it is that you are. We have been able to be home with each other. I've been able mm-hmm. to be home with my newborn son more than I was ever able to be home with our daughter when she was a newborn. Uh, just because I work, you know, I fly to LA an awful lot for uh, Married at First Sight and. Um, and just like other work and stuff and so it's just been amazing to be able to be home i mean we shot the show uh this show that i host called married at first sight unfiltered we literally shot it right in my living room and oh, wow. it was just awesome to be able to nurse my baby and then go to my living room and you know finish shooting the show and i just felt like that was amazing and, and then in, in like my husband was able to be with the kids while i was working and yeah. um yeah i don't so the silver lining for us for COVID is that it really has brought us closer together it's helped us like in the early stages of having a newborn uh, just to be able to be together and both be super hands-on like typically he'd be at work working like I mean he you would leave around eight and not get home until six or seven and so right. it's been so awesome to have him home where I can be like hey it's your turn like get over here <laughs> and his job has you know like they're very understanding so that's cool um, yeah. yeah it's there's been for us COVID has been a bit of You know, there's been a silver lining of a blessing, um, you know, amidst, I mean, it's the worst thing in the world. And I'm so, I feel so, so bad for all the families who have lost someone or have been affected by it. Yeah, Um, We're trying our absolute best to be like decent humans and wear our masks and wash our hands and socially distance um, for as long as they say, whether it's, you know, politically, I know that some people say it doesn't matter. It does matter. Either way, like, I don't want to be the person to give it to someone if, let's say, I mean, some people claim that it might be a hoax and I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. Like, first of all, I, I personally don't believe it's a hoax, um, just like with a scientific background and just knowing that so many people have died. But but also, yeah. like, even if it is just a hoax, like, why wouldn't you just socially distance anyways? Like, you know what that's I mean? Okay. Like, yeah. like, just to be on the safe side, like, why wouldn't you just try to, you know, help others anyways? Um, that's kind of my take on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what are the practical tips that you utilize in your relationship to sort of keep the spark and to keep growing together? Because it's it's a totally different ballgame when you have kids. Maybe you guys haven't experienced it completely yet because you've just got the five month old and like COVID is still around. So you're still home a little bit. But like what's what's the game plan for for the two of you to sort of continue to grow as partners? while still being this amazing entrepreneur and mama bear. Oh, and then you happen to also be a wife.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. The wife role has definitely taken a back, like taken the back burner or mm-hmm. what's that saying? It's take, it's put on, it's like been in the back, you know, like it hasn't been the forefront of my mind. Like the first thing is of course, a mom always. And so, right. um, you know, I'm exclusively nursing our son and he is a beast and he eats all the time. And I'm like exhausted. Cause he still doesn't like, he sleeps through the night, but I can just tell he's hungry and he's just a very, he's almost 20 pounds and he's five months old. So he's just oh. a big boy who acquires an awful lot of nutrients. <laughs> but, um, That's so good. between that, and then of course, like, you know, with COVID everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people have lost their jobs or hasn't been job security per se. And mm-hmm. so I was instantly like, I have to do all the work I can do because I'm, I'm worried that if we lose our jobs, like, are we going to be able to provide for our family? Mm-hmm. And, um, so I wasn't saying no to any job and I was accepting every job while I was super duper pregnant. Also like, you know, I was shooting that show in my living room and he was like a month old, not even. So that's, it's <laughs> kind of crazy, but, Um, I was thankful (laughs) that I had that opportunity because I know so many, I mean, my sister-in-law lost her job. Mm. So I was like, I'm not complaining about this for a second because I'm just thankful I have a job. Um, and so now that, you know, now that things have settled down a little bit, um, and, I, I realize we're not going to lose our job. Like we have security in that. Uh, mm-hmm. I am trying to focus more on being like, my son's a little bit older. He is sleeping longer stretches. Um, right. I am trying to focus a little bit more on our relationship because, uh, we, I, you know, I, I definitely put our marriage on the back end, And I know that like, you know, I feel like I already can feel like people like pointing fingers at me for it. Like, I, I don't know why I, but, um, you know, but I feel like that was like necessary for me to stay sane. I did. I couldn't. I could only. I can only give so much, and my yeah. cup just was like never really full. Like for myself, let alone for all the place. Like all the, I don't know the needs that were that that needed to be filled. Like for example, like obviously working, and then being a mom, and then being a wife, and then being an entrepreneur, and all the things. And so for yeah. me, I just had to prioritize. And in the midst of a pandemic, it was first and foremost, I'm a mom and I'm taking care of my kids. And then secondly, it was because I guess maybe because of my background of coming from like extreme poverty, I mean, I, I literally would have to like scrape pennies. I'm not even kidding you, like out of like the couch cushions to get a loaf of bread. Yeah. I, I'm just always scared that we're going to go like we're gonna, I don't know, I'm just scared of not having enough to provide for my family, like even just food. So I definitely put like my job and my kids first and not my husband. And I definitely don't recommend that. Um, But I feel like he like understood it and was kind of on the same page because it was just, it was a scary time when the, the pandemic just first like began wreaking havoc. But now- like I said, that we're like, I'm um, five months postpartum and I've scheduled in, I mean, we literally put it on the calendar date days. I am oh, feel right. fortunate that I'm, able, yeah, I'm able to have like a nanny, which I know a lot of people aren't, but, um, you know, have someone babysit your kids so that you can spend some time with your husband. Cause we were definitely, um, I wouldn't, we were just becoming almost like platonic and not like romantic yeah. with each other, which is not healthy. So, got to schedule that stuff in. I don't think there's any shame in scheduling it in.
1: Yeah. I think that's how it was for so many people. And I'd say like in the midst of the pandemic. So even if you did have a nanny or if you could have like a family friend or something, watch the kids, nobody was like leaving their house. Yeah. Like you couldn't.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like no one was coming to my house to watch the kids that we could have a date night in the midst of a
1: pandemic. It was weird. So I remember like at some point just trying to do like little date nights on the porch once the yeah. kids have gone to sleep because, you know, like that's, you do what you have to do, but I yeah. completely commend you for being, um, you know, the resilient person that you are. So of course now this, we didn't chat about this before, but it lends me to the question of, you know, how, what would you tell someone who's sort of going through a hard time and, wants, you know, and feels like, you know, the hard time is never going to end and they are aspiring for all the things that you have now, right? The family, being an entrepreneur, all this stuff. But they're like in the thick of where you were before.
0: Yeah, I would say first and foremost to believe in yourself and to not give up on yourself because if you have a goal and even if you think it's a lofty goal, like believe in it put it I believe I with my whole being I believe in putting it out into the universe I put put your dreams and your desires out into the universe and every single day wake up and even if you do only one small thing towards that goal consider that a huge win especially in the midst of a pandemic because let's be honest it is a huge win um but I would say like, don't give up on yourself and believe in yourself. If no one else believes in you, that's okay. You believe in you. And uh, yeah. I really believe that works. I mean, I don't think anybody, I know that my family, they kind of chalked me and my siblings up to like, you know, like my mom was a drug addict and dated like and was with, married, like very abusive men who are like, yeah. also drug addicts and violent. And I, I really think that they thought that we were just going to become you know, drug addicts who were on welfare our whole life, um, and and they just kind of like, kind of like dismissed us. And I don't think they meant harm by it per se. I don't know, but like, definitely noticed it. And uh, no one reached out to be like, hey, you know, how can we help you? And my mom's like disappearing, and I'm like 19 years old with a bunch of you know kids with me. Yeah. But so that being said, I not for once did I pity myself? Not for once did I moan and groan that I had all like all these terrible things. I honestly, I wish I could be more like my 19 year old self back then, because I was the most optimistic, like positive person who just, I didn't, I, I, I didn't pity myself. I was like, nope, we're, I'm going to work hard. We're going to, we're going to get yeah. through this. And I, you know, it was, it was looking back, like I was stronger then than I am now, because now I get something hard. I'm like, I want to complain about it. So that being said, like, if you're in the midst of it, don't pity yourself. Uh, Don't feel down about yourself. you got to stay strong. you got to believe in yourself. And if you think, you know, no one believes in you or no one's helping you, that's okay. Like no one helped me and no one believed in me and you, you got to believe in you and you got to help you. And then you're going to get through it. And if you have anybody who does help you or believe in you, you already are like two steps ahead. So that's even better. But first you got to believe in you. I think that's what I would say.
1: No, I love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. I would say. The same thing. That's really cool. I think that's a very inspiring story because um, I think so many people like look at where we are and people are now, and they're like, oh, I'll never get there, and they don't understand the story behind it, right. like all the stuff that you get through you know, to, to get where you are. So that's that's awesome. And if you can count on yourself, then you're one step ahead. Did, did you have any mentors or people that you would say like, you know, were extremely helpful in reaching that you could reach out to and and help you like that changed the sort of the trajectory of how things were going for you?
0: Well, so honestly, what I had was like, I would read a lot of biographies or autobiographies. And I went to church and I like read the, like, I was just like, like, just would very, um, I read like Psalms a lot, like from the Bible. And I just like, I didn't really have a mentor per se, uh, but I, I wasn't, I did enroll in nursing school because I was, I was, I was at a community college and I remember going to the guidance counselor and I was like, what can I do from this school? Like, I don't have like years of my life to be able to go get a job that pays more than minimum wage. Like I need something now, like, is there anything from this college like that will pay more than like minimum wage, like from like, yeah. a two year degree. And she said, well, the nursing program would be the best program. Um, but it's a super long wait list. Uh, you have to have really great GPA. You know, I don't think you will get in, but you can give it a shot. And, yeah. um, just because the wait list was so long and I applied a little bit later than other people, but I wrote one heck of an essay and I got myself in there. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I feel like because of, because in the nursing program, you know, there you get really close with your, with, I mean, with your, um, I guess co-students and mm-hmm. there was an older one There was two older women there who happened to know like we were in clinical together so they happened to start like i got i didn't i was very shy i did not tell anybody about the fact that i lived in like in a trailer park and i had my siblings because yeah. I, yeah. I was so embarrassed i was very mortified which is absolutely ridiculous in hindsight but of course in the midst of the struggle you're not proud um and so yeah. They discovered like kind of like how I was, and uh, I'll never forget this one. She wrote me a check. I couldn't I couldn't afford um, internet at home, and obviously it's kind of important to have internet at home so you can study at home and, and all that. And she I remember she wrote me a check for three hundred dollars, which would be like the equivalent for the internet for the rest of the semester. And yeah. I literally cried. I didn't want to cash it, um, but like she was that was like one of the nicest things things anybody has ever done for me, and. Um, so I didn't, I mean, I didn't, unfortunately, I, I, I've always been someone who, especially when I was younger, when I was so embarrassed of the struggle, I would push people away. I would always keep them like at arm's length. Cause I was scared to let anyone in. I was scared of getting hurt. I was scared of being judged. I was scared of rejection. Um, but she just like forced her love on me. And, um, and obviously we still stay in touch to this day. Um, but so I, I never, I would say that like, that's something I would recommend as well. Like if you're in the midst of a struggle, don't, don't keep people at an arm lengths away. Like, don't be scared of rejection because, you know, if someone rejects you, that's okay. Uh, just know that keep that person away from you anyways. You don't want them in your circle, but do accept people who are genuinely there for you to try to support you because that makes a world of a difference.
1: Mm-hmm. It really does. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. And it's nice to sort of be on the other end now where you could potentially be the help to someone else. oh like my that gosh. Person
0: I love it. They're like looking that's, for. I mean, there's nothing better, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty much an open book about every struggle I've ever had in life because like I said, I read autobiographies about other people and their struggles and how they overcame them. And that's, right. like, that's what gave me like, I don't know, like the wherewithal to know that like, I don't have to stay in the cycle of like, you know, teen pregnancy, domestic violence, welfare, yeah. drugs and all that. Like I can I can overcome it. I can break the cycle. I can do something else with my life. And it just took me seeing it in other people countless times by like reading it in their books <laughs> uh, to realize like I don't know it gave me this like goal to like kind of be able to write my own book one day and to be like yeah, sure so, sure I've gone through all this but I I've, I've overcome it and you can too. And so yeah, I actually have I have written a book <laughs> about it. I love that. But um but yeah. Yeah,
1: okay, where tell tell us the name of your book and where we can find it.
0: Yeah, so my book's called Wifey 101. It's everything I got wrong after finding Mr Mr. Wright, and it's on Amazon. I do have um signed copies through my website at jamieotis.com, but it was just a it's just a small self-published book. Um I, you know, how hard it is to get a publisher and for a book. And when no one was biting at the the bit, I was like, I'm not waiting. I'm going to just self-publish this. And I, and I did. Um, Unfortunately, it came out literally the same exact time that I lost our son, Jonathan. And so I had like scheduled to be on two different TV shows and like umpteen radio shows, but of course I canceled it all. So um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't ever able to to give it all the love that it deserves. But I kind of, I, I, I'm a, I kind of like, okay with that, I guess. Like, I just feel like everything happens for a reason. And uh, I was going to write another book, but then I decided I might just make this like in-depth course instead. And so as you know, Taylor, because <laughs> you're yeah. like into the courses, um, <laughs> I feel like that just might be a little bit more helpful than just a book. And so Maybe one day I'll have another book up my sleeve. But for right now, I think I'm going to do like more courses because I feel like they really are way more helpful, way more interactive. Um, so yeah, and I, and I just, I, I'm so inspired by you because you are the course queen. You're so good at it. And Aww. your courses, yeah. Thank so I you. think I'm going to go that route. Um, but maybe one day I'll do another book.
1: Yeah, no, I love, I love the book thing. So I, obviously we talk but I didn't know how alike we were. So I used to um, always read like strictly autobiographies or biographies that used to be like my thing. And I loved it because I loved reading the lessons from other people's lives and being able to apply them. And there was always something. There was always like some nugget to take about how to get over something that you were going through. And you'd be just so shocked at these really cool people who you admired and looked up to to see like they went through all of this stuff. So I think exactly. that's so important. Um, Yeah. I love it. I love it. So tell me about your plans for 2021. Do you have any big plans So let's say this pandemic ends fingers crossed. And then we get out of here in 2021, what is up your sleeve? So maybe a course.
0: Yeah. Well, 2021, I definitely want to release. So I'm actually like, the largest i've ever been as far as like my body size and weight i have yeah. more cellulite and rolls than i've ever had in my life and i interestingly enough, I'm also the most confident I've ever been. I mean, Mm. it's amazing. It's such a freeing feeling to like look in the mirror and I sure I've got like some saggy boobs now because I breastfeed and you know, I've got cellulite for days, but it's been really freeing for me to just embrace it. And and I don't mean that like I want, like, I I don't think it's necessarily healthy to carry around extra weight and all that. But I think that you're never going to get healthy if you hate on your body anyways. And so I think it's really important to love yourself as is like, as you're working towards becoming healthier. Um, And if you're not even able to work towards it because you're too stressed out, hating yourself, isn't going to work. I mean, looking in the mirror and, you know, calling yourself fat and ugly or a cow is just, it's just not going to help you out at all. It's never going to help you get to where you want to be anyways. So you may as well love yourself as is. And so I'm really passionate about, about sharing that because I can't believe how many women say like, you know, that they'd like hide themselves from pictures with their kids or they won't put a bathing suit on because they're scared of what people will say about them or even shorts because cellulite in the back of their thighs. And I'm like, oh, it's like, it's just so sad. And, And ultimately for me, what really pushed me in the, like, to like, to just put the suit on and enjoy life is because I don't ever want my daughter to think she can't wear a bathing suit at the beach. I don't care how skinny or how big she is. You know, I just, I just don't ever want those thoughts to go through her mind. They've been, very like all consuming for me. Um, so anyways, I'm going to create a course on that. And I'm also going to create a course, uh, later on just trying to conceive and pregnancy and pregnancy after loss, but yeah, I'm real excited about that for 2021. I'm also, um, really excited because I might be going to Italy if they you know, if, if this gets better, so Italy will be like a year away. It'll be next summer, but I've never been to Italy. So I'm really excited about that. And we have just bought this home in Florida, like a second home, and I'm, we're slowly furnishing it. So I'm excited about that. I feel like there's a lot of good things happening, you know, like you just got to keep going even if there is a pandemic, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you are the perfect model of that during the pandemic and in life. We are so thrilled to have had you on this podcast and to share all your insight. I know there's lots that the listeners can learn from and nuggets that they can take. So thank you for joining us. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Absolutely. I'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds good. Bye, Bye, Taylor.
1: I hope you enjoyed the interview with Jamie and were able to take away some key insights. If you'd like more information about these topics, wellness, relationships, fitness, nutrition, just go ahead and follow us at maxing underscore you on IG and go to our website, maxingu.com, where you can find lots of free content as well as courses to help you elevate your self-growth and relationship. If there are specific topics that are interesting to you right now, please comment below and I will bring a guest on to chat about them. I'm looking forward to seeing you next time.
0: This was another episode of Maxing You. Keep up with Coach T off the podcast and follow our Instagram at Maxing underscore you. Follow oh,
1: us. Want
0: some more of Maxing You?
1: Yeah. I'm yeah.
0: Visit our site, maxingyou.com.